I told my dad too. I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to leave. And he was angry and he said, you're never welcome back in my home and you're no longer my son. And so I pushed and pushed to the point where I am now two years after my dad disowned me. I'm standing on a stage in Las Vegas and I just won the internationals. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Leg. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There was no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Leg. Hi, this is Evangelist Sanlei. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but found answers in a real God. And today, we're going to be talking about the emptiness of fame and success, and how once you arrive there, you may find it the most unfulfilling place in your life. Today on our show, we will have Adrian Van Vactor, who was a famous magician who won the internationals in Las Vegas. And he will share his route to fame as a magician, but then how empty it felt to him when he got to the top of his career. Adrian, thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to be with you all. Wow, awesome to have a professional magician on the show, Adrian. So thank you so much for being with us today. I'm really excited for you to reveal how you got started in this line of work and how you got to such success. Now, what kind of home were you raised in? Like religious, non-religious? Because I understand faith was not a key factor when you were younger. Yeah, my mom's from Mexico, and she was obviously raised Catholic. When she married my dad, he was very anti-religion, so she let her faith just kind of be a private thing. It wasn't something that was part of the families, per se. Mm -hmm. Well, my dad abandoned us when I was seven, and I was the oldest. I have a little brother and little sister, and I wanted to be with him. So I ran away from home looking for him in the middle of the Arizona desert. (laughs) And of course, the police found me and took me back to my mom, and she just knew that I was never going to stop fighting to be with my dad. So I got to move in with him, and he was already remarried within months, and his new wife had four kids of her own. I was instantly the youngest now. I had three older stepbrothers and an old stepsister. And because my mom was foreign, and I had my dad, and they didn't have their dad— You know, I was picked on. It was the life and the culture that we live in at the time. Kids picked on kids. They still do. And it was sort of normal, but it was still negatively impactful on me. Especially since my mom being from Mexico, I grew up with a lot of racist verbiage. (laughs) I grew up with just about every racist nickname that anyone had ever come up with for people from Mexico. Mm, Oh gosh, that is horrible. I think oftentimes race can be used so wrongly to bring such shame in a person's life. But I understand it was to an extreme in your new household. Tell us about that. Yeah. Imagine going all through high school. That was the first school that I got to stay at because I went to a lot of different schools. By the time I hit high school, I had gone to 10 different schools. So I didn't have any friends that I could keep growing up. It was just difficult. And I was very lonely at home because I was being picked on. And mm. I would hide in my room. I hid away from my stepbrothers. I hid from my stepmom. I was miserable. You know, imagine going through high school and people never calling you your real name. They're always calling you one of those nicknames that was a racially motivated nickname that stuck. Hmm. I could see how that would affect your identity and how you viewed yourself when you were younger. Now, how did this negatively affect you when people would look at your racial stereotypes rather than look at you as a unique person? Well, it made me feel a couple of things. One, ashamed of my Hispanic heritage. 
Mm. I wanted to disassociate and distance myself from it. Mm. So it made me feel shame that I should not have felt. Mm. It allowed me to be cruel to my mom Mm. to the point where things that I did, I'm so ashamed of. For example, you know, when kids graduate like elementary school or just move on to the next grade, they'll have like a little ceremony. So I'm in whatever grade, third, fourth, you know, I'm living with my dad and there he is with my stepmom. And my mom was there too. And our teacher instructed us to go down to the bucket, pick a rose and take it to your mom. You know, student names were called and each student went and grabbed the rose and gave it to their mom. I went down to the bucket, I grabbed the rose and I walked right past my mom and gave it to my stepmom because I so wanted to be accepted and so wanted to be a part of a family that I actually did that. Oh, oh, wow. I, I think there are some who can understand this. I think everyone wants to be in a family where they're loved and accepted. And I understand that you took on a loner style of approach to life and you found acceptance sometimes when you did these magic tricks for friends and family. I understand you kept enduring abuse so much that you ran away from home at the age of 17 and then you sought a full-time career as a magician. Tell me about that. Yeah, I got so tired of the emotional abuse and there was some, a little bit of physical abuse, but I left. I told my dad ahead of time too. I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to leave. He didn't believe me and I did. And he called me at a friend's house and he was angry and he said, you're never welcome back in my home and you're no longer my son. And he hung up and that was it. I thought it was over. I hadn't talked to him for two more years. Hmm, My gosh, that must have been so hard. And it probably added more to this idea of being rejected all the time. I understand you responded with such a veracity to become a famous magician. Why was that? Yeah, I wanted to prove to my dad that I could be somebody. I wanted to prove to all my stepbrothers that they were wrong because they used to always make fun of me for being a magician, saying that I would never make it. It's a one in a million chance. Now I'm going to end up just a homeless person, things like that. I wanted to prove them wrong. But I also wanted people to notice me. I was a very lonely person. I didn't have any friends growing up. Hmm. During recess and lunch, I just sat by myself. And I remember one time I was playing with a coin, doing some sleight of hand, and someone noticed it and started saying, oh, do that again. I remember another time I was at home and I had learned a trick from a book and I performed it for one of my stepbrothers. And he looked at what I was doing and he said, cool. Hmm. And just that little positive feedback for the first time I did something brought a smile to his face. And I thought, this is what I got to do. So I kept perpetuating that same idea that if I just become an entertainer, if I can make people laugh and draw attention, people will start to like me and my life will mean something. And so I pushed and pushed to the point where I am now two years after my dad disowned me, I'm standing on a stage in Las Vegas and I just won the internationals. Mm, Wow. That must have been incredible. Like you finally proved them wrong. And at the same time, you're getting famous, you're getting acceptance, applause from stadiums of people. Now, how did that feel right afterwards? Was it pretty amazing? It went back to normal. You know, it did feel great at the moment. And my dad even called me not long after that event. And I was so surprised that he called me. And at the end of that conversation, he just said, I'm proud of you, son. And you think, wow, I was starting to tour all over the country. But whenever the show was finished, and it didn't matter if I was, you know, in my living room for my stepbrothers or on a stage, my audience would leave. Mm-hmm. And it was temporary. It was not genuine. It was not meaningful. It was just a temporary fix. And I was still alone, still empty. And what really began to work in my mind was, what do we do at all in life that's genuinely meaningful? I mean, I can entertain a crowd, but they'll forget me eventually. And then I'll be a nobody. And what difference does it make? And so all these kinds of ideas started really hitting home with me 
until I was 19 when I was driving on the interstate. I was getting ready to headline at the Magic Castle in Hollywood. So I'm on Interstate 10 and I was listening to this preacher and I had already been talking to these people of faith from the Magic Club, people who believed in God and, you know, had their own faith. And I was processing these things. And I thought, you know, there's got to be more to life than just the here and now, beyond what we can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. What is that? And I was listening to this preacher, and he was just talking about that we were created for a purpose, an eternal purpose, and that there was an actual creator, a God that really existed, and that we could have good reasons for believing that he existed, and that he has a purpose and plan for each and every one of our lives. And Mm. I literally was in tears just asking that God to change my heart, to change my life, to make my life better. Mm. That is so interesting. So you had what you thought would fulfill you, but it left you empty. Some would wonder, How did that prayer to God really change things? Well, a lot of things changed. First, my complete attitude in life changed. Things made sense. Truths became very clear. And my attitude towards other people changed. I mean, my family used to tell me, you've changed. You used to be a jerk, and now you're not. (laughs) (laughs) I called everybody that I had ever wronged and pleaded for forgiveness. I mean, who does that? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of things dramatically changed in my heart. I didn't, no one told me to do that. I just thought, I need to make things right with everybody. Mm. So here it is. God changed your life. And it sounds like God finally gave you the fulfillment of the acceptance you were looking for because God accepts you for just who you are. It sounds like he gave you a purpose for your life. And I understand you have a ministry where today you're an illusionist for the Christian community and you preach the gospel with your gifts. Adrian, thanks so much for sharing the truth about fame and fulfillment and how Jesus is the one who truly fulfilled your life. God bless you, Adrian. Hold on. I have a strong word for you personally right after the break. Hey, everyone. As an evangelist, I'm really into changing people's lives with a powerful message of the cross. Do you know people are getting set free from drugs, addictions, and internal anguish by the power of the Holy Spirit working through our show? Will you ask the Holy Spirit if He wants you to partner with us financially? Every donation will help us to reach 1 million more people. Think of it. 30 people giving $100 a month will bring this show in front of 1 million more people. Will you help me to get to one more city in the U.S.? You can give by going to awakenthenations.com. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More Real Life starts now. Welcome back to the show, where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? To me, it's really sad at the level of rejection that plagued Adrian as a young man, from racism at school to getting full-blown rejection from his father. Yikes. And the second he found something that gave him positive information and that positive attention he so needed, he gave his whole life to getting that attention. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, because at some level, we all need attention and love and approval of some sort. The question really is, what are you doing to get the approval and love you're getting today? Are you relying on something other than the authentic you? Adrian hid behind a masquerade of magic and performing for others to feel value, but even then it wasn't enough. Why is that? 
Like we can achieve so much acceptance and adoration and maybe even success, but it never can feel quite good enough. That's because the acceptance of mankind will never be enough. That's the truth, friend. No one can ever give us the acceptance that we need except from one source. The problem is that most of us think that God won't accept us because deep down, we know that we've sinned and done wrong things and we're not sure how God is going to respond to that. What do ancient writings say about that? It is written in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Beloved, Jesus already knew about your sin. He loved you and found a way to accept you while you were in your sin. He isn't going to leave you there, but your sin isn't going to stop him from accepting you. He died on the cross for you to demonstrate his love and to remove that separation so that now you are accepted by God. If you will accept him, have you received this yet, my friend? I'm sensing that there's someone who hasn't. Father God, I'm praying for that person who hasn't received the acceptance from God. Lord, help us, Father, to receive that acceptance from you. So we receive that right now in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony, and I know that your life was touched. If you need prayer, please give us a call at 877-480-4477. That's 877-480-4477. See you next time.